Welcome to another episode of the Fearless Launching Show. I'm your host, Anne Samoylov, and I want to thank you for joining me today. We are crazy pants over here in the launch headquarters of Fearless Launching. As you may or may not know, Fearless Launching is open for enrollment right now if you're listening in the week of May 14th or 15th. So we are about to start our only new live round of Fearless Launching. We're welcoming in some new members to the community, and we're going to start going through the material on Monday. I'm so excited. So if you want to check that out as I'm chatting today, you can check out www.fearlesslaunching.com and find out what, what it's all about. So last week, I promised you that I would be talking to you about the story of Fearless Launching, but I didn't want it to be a super boring kind of odyssey, <laughs> long, you know, long tail of, of you know, I, I wanted it to be kind of actionable. And what's funny, <laughs> I'll tell you, is that I recorded this earlier today and then my Mac froze and then I had to re-record it. What that allowed me to do was then re-kind of create what I wanted to talk about and actually reorganize myself in a way, in the way that I wanted to talk to you about how fearless launching has changed in the last three years, two, two and a half years now. <clears throat> so. Um, I'm going to go through eight different elements of the launch and actually the the delivery of the product itself and the course to the members. And I want to I want to share those with you today because I think I think these are all areas where you're going to get you're going to you're going to think about these parts of your launch. You're going to think about these parts of your program, your course, your product as you go along. And I want to just let you know when I decided to do things with them and how I how those have changed kind of over time. So first, let's just dive right in to these. There's actually nine of them I'm going to talk to you about. So first is pre-launch. The pre-launch is really, as I've always mentioned, it's just that phase before you actually say we're open. Lots of people do it in different ways. And myself, the very first time that I did Fearless Launching, uh, my pre-launch was four blog posts and a webinar. The webinar being the the event that kind of opened the doors for the program. And honestly, I've still stuck to doing blog post content, but I've also included things like podcasts now, and I do videos on a YouTube channel, and I'll link to those. Obviously, you're listening to the podcast, so you know what that is, but I'll I'll link to the um, YouTube channel. In fact, one year, I even did a 30 Days to Your Launch you know, behind the launch, behind the scenes launch where every single day I posted a video about launching and what I was doing on that given day. Uh, so, so over time I've added things in, but really it's still the, the very basic part of the launch is what content is going to go out during the launch. Like what content is going to go out before the launch on the blog? What content is going to go out after the launch is open or when, once the product is available for sale? And I've become more strategic about it and have added many layers to it. And it's a lot more work now for that content. But before, some of the things that I was doing, um, and actually I do now, but I do it more on a consistent basis. So a few episodes ago of the podcast, I talked about doing your guest posting and interviews 
consistently throughout the year. And I think that is probably a huge change in the way that I do any kind of outreach for a launch. I no longer wait until two months or a month before the launch. I'm just consistently out, like getting out there to other audiences. And I share that all the time. So I try not to make that my focus during the actual launch. Now, that said, that was very important the first year when I was launching Fearless Launching because I hadn't reached, I was still in that phase of building that base of press and interviews and, you know, as seen in um, credits. So that at the very beginning, I think when you have a new product, I, I do feel like having a strategy where you have guest posts, interviews, any summit appearances, that they all kind of come out during that month of your launch. And even better, I, I still think that, especially if you've got a new product hitting the market, hitting, hitting the streets, that doing um, a big push for those to publish or go live right around your launch, the day of your launch, the week of your launch, uh, can have amazing results. But over time, I've just created that system where I'm always doing that. So that that may be the case with you, that you don't have a lot of guest posts just yet, or you don't have a lot of things to kind of get new people on board already, and perhaps you're just starting. So in that case, I would definitely put guest posting and um, interviews, especially podcast interviews, just reach out to people who are doing podcasts for um, maybe like on your topic or if you hear someone being interviewed that you know is your competition on a specific podcast, how about you reach out and just say that you're willing, you'd love to, you'd love to be on the show, um, and maybe pitch a few ideas. So over time, that has changed, like I said. Um, now another, the second element of my launch that definitely has changed over time is the sales page. So when I was first launching, the very first launch, I just want to kind of br- Go back in time and make sure you know what that looked like. Um, I will link to a blog post where I actually shared the design evolution of things. But that first page was a white WordPress page, no sidebar. And there was a, I think a logo-ish type of thing at the top and text, which was basically looked like an outline for what the course was. There was really no marketing copy. There were no major calls to action. It was really much, it re- was pretty much just here's what's in the program and click here to buy. Um, now I did my best, but at that point, that very first time, you know, think about it. I didn't have really much social proof, if any. I didn't have much of anything. So that's, that's all that I could do. And even, um, I'll, I'll kind of talk, talk through the pricing and results. And a few more steps, but over time, what happened is then I upgraded the website or the sales page to optimize press. I was using that for a while. And that's that when I made that leap, I actually did kind of follow a structure. And one of the things that I teach in Fearless Launching is that if you don't have the marketing budget or if you don't have the budget to kind of come up with a sales page structure, look for a sales page that you like and try to like kind of dissect what that structure is and then kind of fit in your elements. You're not going to be copying the the copy because your thing is going to be different. You are different. Your business is different. But at least you'll know like, okay, first they did an intro here. Then they did a case study here. Then they did frequently asked questions here. 
Ooh, there's a button here. Oh, there's a button twice. Oh, I'll put that there and there. So look at sales pages you like, and that's what I did. Now, after that, that iteration of the sales page, then it changed again drastically, but that only happened, I want to say that first year, first one was very sparse. The second and third and fourth launches were on the same exact page and site. And then in 2014, everything changed and it was just more visual, um, more in line with me too. And that's when I had an actual developer come in and help me put that together on my absolute favorite sales page theme that I use, which is Elegant Themes Divi. I highly recommend it. There's even a Facebook group for Divi users that is so helpful. Oh my goodness. But I just love what they've done with that theme. I think they hit it out of the park. I know lots of people love it too. So so that was the sales page. Uh, another element of the launch that changed over time was my use of webinars and a free calls. So as I mentioned, during the first launch of Fearless Launching, there was indeed a webinar. And I think, yeah, there was one webinar at the very open of the program. Second time around, I did a webinar again. I believe I skipped doing a webinar somewhere in the middle, like the, maybe like in 2013, I didn't, I only did one of those. But you know, webinars are interesting because it takes a while before you really feel comfortable and confident selling on a webinar. And for the first two weeks, for until like the end of last year, I didn't, I honestly just could not get it together. And I don't know if it's a combination of me doing videos and me talking to you here on the podcast, but slowly I started to see how I could actually get the sales message out of my mouth. And, you know, with some tweaks to the overall structure of the webinars, they started converting. They actually brought in sales because in the past I didn't really, I wasn't really happy with the results. Uh, not, not to say that there weren't enough people signed up for the webinars because that I felt like was always pretty strong, pretty strong because I was able to then to get partners to help me spread the word about webinars and, uh, so I've always felt okay about attendance, but I never felt great about the results of those. In fact, I was just telling someone today that I remember one webinar last year where, oh my God, it was, oh my God, so disheartening. You know, like I'm, I'm like launching this four other times. So it's like, I have a little proof of concept here beyond, you know, I've been making money on a program for a couple of years. And then last year I did a webinar and I swear to God, no sales from the webinar, no sales during the fast action period. And I was like, uh, that sucked. Maybe I won't do webinars ever again. And this year has just changed crazy. Um, uh, has been, I've experienced a ton of success with webinars and I'm now like, now I can kind of see why it's working. So webinars have become a bigger part of the of my strategy. And I, I definitely foresee them becoming a bigger part as I move forward. Um, and I'm trying to do them just more often, even when I'm not selling things so that I can practice structuring the webinar in a certain way so that it encourages people to, you know, just to learn, to give them as much as I can and not necessarily like, I want to be able to give those really great, no salesy webinars. And at the same time, when I do those same webinars that do have sales, then I don't feel bad about asking for the sale. Um, so that has changed. Um, 
The fourth element that I want to talk to talk about is the affiliate program. So when I teach people inside Fearless Launching about affiliate programs, I actually, I'll be honest, I tell people not to do affiliate programs their first time around. And it's mostly because I know personally, like I know how to run an affiliate program. I know how to set one up. And yet even I'm bad at it because I know that I need staff for that program. I need someone to set up everything. I need someone to be the point person for all of the affiliates. I need someone to be on top of whether affiliates are actually getting their resources and making the resources and being the point person for everything, prizes, all that. So I know what work goes into an affiliate program. And if you don't think there, there is, you know, go, go and ask some of the folks that you may, you may know who have really strong programs. Now, someone like, um, Leonie Dawson, I feel like she might have hers really dialed in because she has one that's always going. She has partners all the time. Danielle Laporte, same thing. But I bet you there is someone behind the scenes working it. And I know for a fact on B-School that Marie Forleo has someone working and now she has probably several people working because that really requires some serious touch on those people who are, you know, those people who are spending time promoting your product, even if it's for, even if it's for their monetary gain. So <clears throat> getting off that soapbox, um, the affiliate program for me has changed in the tools that I've used as well as... Um, Actually, now I've realized I have another, I have another piece, a 10th element. So for the affiliate program, I have always had an affiliate program that was running, but nothing, um, super in depth. There was one launch that we did where there was a woman who was reaching out to the affiliates every week, who was, uh, creating all the, affiliate resources and graphics and things like that, making sure people have what they needed, their links. And to be honest, that one time, even though she did a great job setting things up and it wasn't her, it was just that we hadn't totally dialed it in with the right affiliates. So I don't think that that necessarily was a great affiliate launch. Um, but we are still using her using her resources. And the last two rounds of Fearless Launching, the affiliates were really important. And the partners, because I don't call them affiliates, I actually do consider them partners and friends. And so I feel like each time we're dialing it in slightly, but that for me is going to be one piece that I move forward on and uh, spend a little bit more time focusing on in the new in the new, in the coming years of my business and fearless launching. So there are, I will get to the tools because there are some changes in those affiliate tools. We were using eJunkie for a very long time and then we just switched over to affiliate, to the Infusionsoft's affiliate internal referral partner program. Um, because when we signed up for Infusionsoft, that's why I did it. I was tired of working on all these disjointed separate systems. I needed some. I needed everything together. So there's that. Um, but I'll, I'll go into that in just a second. So hang tight on the tools for now. But needless to say, they definitely did change over time. Um, number five, team. How did our team change over the last three years? Um, I want to say that I've always had at least one main person kind of pushing me behind the scenes, someone who I could use as a sounding board, someone, you know, that one person who kind of knew what was going on like I did. 
But no one ever really knows everything that's going on as much as I do because sometimes I change my mind on things and decide to change things. And, and that, <clears throat> that's something that I'm working on because I do think it creates this environment of what is going to happen today. And you kind of want, I mean, that's how a launch is. You kind of just have to go with it a little bit, have your plan and be ready to revise it as often as needed. Um, but I've always had that one person. Um, so. Uh, and so I've always had one person who kind of pushes me and is on my team, is in is in the trenches with me. Then I always either have a web developer or technical person or both actually in in kind of in on the team as well. Um, the web developer and designer really kind of just comes in and makes sure everything's working, and then you know and doesn't really hang out during the launch, but is there on call if I need them. And then I do, I did for a very long time have a woman who was working as a, um, she basically did everything from blog, posting blog posts to scheduling my Infusionsoft stuff, setting up campaigns in Infusionsoft and making sure that the website, you know, fixing technical backend things with the members area, things like that. And now, you know, that's actually one role that I haven't fully replaced. I can definitely go to my developer and the woman that I know who's worked on the sales site and get her help. She's also the one who created and updated the members area as well. Um, but, but in general, I don't have someone who's just on the team fixing those things. Um, and then I also have had and always have kind of on, here's the thing. I have a lot of people on call who know that I'm doing stuff and I just have to reach out to them and ask them. So I've had people who managed the affiliates before, as well as people who are managing the social media, watching social media, scheduling social media, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, with an implementation of some systems, which I'll go through at the end, um, I'm writing something down so I don't forget it. Um, with, with some of those tools, I was able to only then, then kind of pull back on those team members and have them just be on call. Uh, then, you know, in addition to that, I always, like I said, I always have someone who's a sounding board, but their role might change. So at one point I had someone, a woman who was managing my work, managing the content on the blog, managing what was basically running in the business and what I had to deliver. Now I, that person's, that person who I'm working with now still is looking at the content, but more from a bigger vision strategic point of view, branding point of view. And she helps me uh, not only look at how everything is looking, but actually make suggestions for branding pieces that might need to change or get improved. And we've already got our CBB list for after this current launch finishes to then update and you know, improve the brand overall. So she she's someone that I talk to on a regular basis as well. But once basically I had that website built or that sales site built, I didn't really need to have someone always there. And she did, my developer did a great job of making sure that I could pretty much fix anything that I needed to or change or update or whatever. So team has been back and forth. I always have people 
on my team that can help me. I have lots of entrepreneurial friends, business besties who I can reach out to and say, Hey, I need this. Who can do this? Do you know someone who can do this? And usually I can find some, uh, some help very quickly. And honestly, I, I'm really good at doing a lot of things myself. And even though I know that I, will likely have to hire more of a core team that's with me throughout the year instead of just ramping up during launches. I really don't want to manage a team. And until I can break my habit of managing, I want to be the owner. I need to, I need to kind of get more into that mindset. And I, I'm still working on it because for me, it's really hard for me to hire a project manager because then I feel like I'm always ahead of them, to be honest. And it's very frustrating because then I'm like, I hired you to be ahead of me, but I'm actually still ahead of you. So that's my struggle. And just a side note on the team stuff, I am really working on some interesting stuff for teams um, coming up this year and helping, helping especially the fearless launchers get over and get through some of the challenges that they've been facing trying to hire people because there are lots of challenges to having people and managing people. Number six, <clears throat> we are halfway there, more than halfway. These, the rest of them are pretty easy. So communication pretty much has changed. The tools have changed. And like I said, the pre-launch, which is really part of this whole communication thing, the pre-launch, really, I tried to do most of my communication in the past in that period of time. And I wasn't sending a ton of emails. I sent a, I sent a, we're open. Um, I sent maybe a middle of the launch email, a pre-launch, uh, like a FAQ email, we're closing email. And I kept it very sparse. And now I have a, I still do send those, but I also, I think about communication differently and I know what has to go out on specific days. And I'm not just thinking about the people who haven't enrolled in fearless launching yet. I'm thinking about the people who have enrolled. Like today, for instance, I am writing a kind of like a starting survey email to the people who have just joined and the, and even alum who are planning on going through it again so that I can get a sense of what they want to achieve this time. So we can really connect and I can really make it happen for them. So communication has become more of an exploration and now I see the bigger picture and now I've got other things in place to reach out to people who don't enroll and, and perhaps find out why and then maybe make more improvements. So communication has definitely been a big thing. I want to also recommend that you go to a, the webinar replay, which is up for a short period of time right now, if you're listening to this on May 14th. It'll be up, I think, through tomorrow night, and then it may disappear. So go check out the link that I'm going to put below. It's Conversations That Sell. It's a replay of an of a webinar I just did. And if you were there, check out the replay anyways. There's a lot there about the different ways that I communicate with people during, before, during, and after a launch. Number seven, pricing and results. So pricing has been one of those things that I've played with over time and starting at 97 for the very first one. And right now I have two active levels available, the foundation level for 697 and the pro level for 997. And I do also have a VIP level, though that is no longer available um, during this launch. So, you know, honestly, I feel like you may want to start with a lower price just because 
You might feel like you want to test out the waters first. You want to really give a lot. Make sure, make those first people who go through or buy what you're selling really are so happy. They're like, man, this was so worth it. And you want to give them that experience of being so worth it. And you know that their response is going to be like, oh my goodness, I learned so much. I can't believe you didn't charge more. And you can really give them your most, your, your all. And that's why I charge so little. In addition to the fact that I just wasn't sure who was going to pay for this. And one of the other reasons I charged so little at the beginning was my, you know, and I think this will, this could possibly happen to you. My view of the online business education landscape was $97 products by people, my friends like Amy Porterfield and, and Laura Roeder. And then I was also seeing higher price products like for creating fame and B-School. Like B-School's been $19.99 since the inception, I think, since the first year. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure. Yes, I know it was because I know we were, yes, I remember that that was the price. Um, so for me, I want to keep the pricing at this for the live rounds. I want, I want to keep the pricing now at $6.97. But then my rain, my reference points were all those types of things. I didn't think that I could call Fearless Launching another B school or at that level. But at the same time, I, I, you know, so I felt like I probably, resonated a little more with the $97 pricing. So you go with what you think and what you feel, and you, but you've just got to feel it. And I hate to say that to sound like all goofy hippie, but for me, that made me feel okay. I knew it was low, but I also knew that I could give so much for that amount and people would really love it. And the results were great. Every time that I launched, um, I increased it. I went from 97 to 497 and it still sold. And it's sold consistently and it's selling consistently throughout the years. I either have a 30 person launch or a 50 person launch or somewhere between there. And that's a mix of, uh, early bird and, you know, fast action bonuses and, and just straight up, uh, enrollment. So I think that uh, pricing is something that is an interesting topic, but you can start small. It's okay. Um, I know that a lot of people, you might be looking at, let's say, Marie Forleo and think, okay, I've got to offer something for $2,000. No, you don't. Look at, look at Danielle Laporte. Look at her price points for her products. And she reaches a massive audience. You just have to decide who are you reaching and where are they in their life or business? And what are they likely going to want to pay for something um, that you're creating? So there's that. Number eight, program improvements. So this is pretty simple. I went from a password-protected one page where all the videos for Fearless Launching, all the modules, all the bonuses lived to an actual members area. And then over time, that members area was redesigned and updated by Meredith, my um, developer. And, and so now I'm, I'm looking for new ways of updating that. I have, I just purchased Zippy courses from Derek Halpern. So I'm looking at, hmm, maybe there's something there that I can do, or maybe I'll create a dashboard for people who buy multiple things, um, in my, in my shop, because I feel like right now I'm at that point where I want people to have a customized experience. So that's where I'm going now. Like I'm fine with the members area as it is, but over time I've tried to make small improvements that, that actually people notice though. 
Number nine, the community has also changed in that my initial thought was it was just a Facebook group. I didn't see it as a community. And, and after that first round, when we really we started calling that our our secret clubhouse, our secret launch clubhouse, um, the community really has gelled. I, I even tried for a while using separate Facebook groups for each round of the program. And I just realized that I didn't like it. I didn't like being spread all over the place. I wanted people to benefit from their peers and people who had gone before them. And so now the group, it kind of is a revolving door. People leave and leave and come back whenever they want. Like some people never come in during the course and then they, then they ask, to come in later, um, depending on what they, what they've got going on in their business. And I love that. I love that, that you don't have to be in there if you don't want to, but if you need the support and you want accountability anytime during your lifetime membership in the program, you can come in, you can leave. No, no fuss, no muss. Um, and we've only had, um, minor problems in the group. So, you know, with personality clashes and whatnot. And, and I feel like we've handled those as best as we could, the, the best way that, that I knew how to handle them and tried to just make sure that I create an environment where people are respectful, supportive, and it's not too, uh, selly sell. People aren't sharing every little thing that they do, but I encourage it because you know what? People are told, don't, don't be promotional in this group. We're launching. We want to be promotional. So I, I welcome that. And number 10, this is the last thing I want to share with you today is that the tools have changed and I'm, I'm expecting them to change too over time. Um, like I went from using eJunkie, uh, as my affiliate and my sales processing kind of thing to, and, and PayPal to using Infusionsoft. I still offer PayPal for the one pay option, but now I have a merchant account and I use that to use that to process payment instead of a, you know, just sending people to the PayPal cart. I have actual order forms. Even my order forms have changed over time. And now I have some testimonials and social proof down the sides of those. Um, so the way I handle social media and promotion has changed and I use a combination of just live posting and, you know, just doing that on the fly to using Edgar, uh, and co-schedule. And sometimes I even use buffer app to schedule other people's content that I want to share during the launch. And let's see what else. I'm also, social media has changed drastically for me because I feel like I was spending a lot of time, first it was Twitter, then it was Facebook, then I was back to Twitter a lot. And now I'm loving and loving more than anything, Instagram. Instagram is where I'm actually talking to people now. So I love it, love it, love it. Social media has totally changed. Um, the way that I manage my team and the tasks that I have to do has definitely changed. I go back and forth. Sometimes I revert to Excel spreadsheets or Google Sheets. And sometimes I'll use, I've used Trello with my developer because that is our way of like our shorthand way of talking to each other and getting things done. I use Asana for big picture kind of planning and uh, some back and forth regarding content creation with my uh, content manager and strategist. And I use my Filofax. So I'm using physical tools as well. Um, another thing that I wanted to share is that I'm on my iPhone a lot. So I've 
really worked hard to make that a tool that isn't just for social media or just for chatting on text. I create voice memos for people who reach out and ask questions about fearless launching. I record podcasts sometimes over there. I definitely interact with people in the Facebook group there. And now instead of just going onto the Facebook app, I have the groups app installed so that I just focus there and I don't get sucked into Facebook. I use it for my Instagram as well. So the tools really have, you know, I still have my same website. I still have my members area is still in optimized press, but hopefully that'll be changing or getting updated soon because it's still the old optimized press. Hello. I use lead pages now. And in the past, I've used things like premise and just straight up WordPress pages. But now I use lead pages for almost all of my webinars, for all of my opt-in, opt-ins and different free, free uh, tools that I offer. And so, so over time, I feel like the, the tools I'm looking through here, the tools are going to keep changing, but you just have to, you just have to realize that that's okay. And you don't, I would choose if you're, if you're stuck on the tools part to choose the tools that are the easiest, um, for you to use right now. Don't try to get extra things if you don't need them. I think honestly, lead pages has probably been my best investment. I just upgraded to the pro annual this year. I'm so glad I did. So, so glad I did. Um, and I'm really glad that I up, upgraded to Infusionsoft. Those are two big things that I'm using that I love and I think have definitely impacted my launch. Also, getting the, getting the sales page turned into a sales site and having someone improve that on a major scale was really important for me. And I'm so happy that I invested in that. I think that's it. There are so many things that are going to change over the life of your launch. So I hope this was a little bit helpful for you to see how things can change over time. And I want to say that you're welcome to email me, ask me any specific questions, or leave a comment below the show notes. So definitely head over to the site, ansamoylove.com, and the look for this post. There'll be a link below. Even if you're listening on the podcast app on your iPhone, I'll make sure that I put a link in those show notes so you can head on over to the blog post and check out all the resources and tools and uh, things that I've mentioned today, the past episodes and things like that. Thank you so much for listening today to the Fearless Launching Show. Your continued support really keeps me going and doing these weekly kind of tell-alls to you, really. I, I just love them. So I hope you're enjoying them too. And I really would love to hear from you. So head to the show notes. You can also email me at ann at ansamoylove.com. Let me know. Let me know some stuff about your launch evolution. Maybe I'd like to feature you on the show. So take care, have a great rest of your week, and I will chat with you soon. If you haven't already headed over to fearlesslaunching.com, go there now before the doors close for this year for live and new members. So I will talk to you soon. Take care. Have a great one.